How many of you like to cook? Raise your hand. All right, me, uh, not so much. And in fact, uh, you've probably heard me say this. Our realtor, when we moved about three and a half years ago, our realtor bought us a grill, and uh, we still have never used that grill yet in three and a half years. Uh, I think I know how to work it, but I don't want to test my luck. But just suppose you love to cook, right? You have cookbooks, you watch the food station, and on TV, you sit there with your phone copying recipes and websites, and you just love to cook, you love to entertain, you love how it, work, how, yeah, how it works in the kitchen and at the grill. Well, suppose one afternoon, your phone rings, and you look at it, and you don't recognize the number. It's from Santa Rosa, California, not quite sure where that exactly is, but it doesn't say spam. So anyway, you answer it, and on the other end of the line is Guy Fieri, and it's really him. And suppose Guy invites you to his ranch in Santa Rosa to spend a weekend with him. He could give you food tips and hairdressing tips, and you could learn all about Guy Fieri. How many of you would be excited to do that? My guess is if you love to cook, you would be thrilled at that invitation, and you could run out there, and if he was paying for everything, you would love to go. Well, if you're a golfer and Tiger Woods wanted to give you some tips, if you have financial investments and Warren Buffett calls you up and says, hey, I'd like to give you some investment tips, you'd be thrilled to get advice from a master, advice from an expert on how you can become better at what you're doing and what you love. Well, Jesus actually tells us and gives us some helpful hints when it comes to prayer. Jesus isn't just a master, he's the master. And therefore, for these next few weeks as we work through the Lord's Prayer, think of how excited we should be and how, how we should take those ideas that Jesus gives and not just learn them, but seek to live them out in our lives. Well, this morning we're going to talk about aligning our prayers. And I want to tell you right up front, I am into alignment. Other people say, no, Charles, you just have OCD. Well, whatever I've got, I like alignment. I want picture frames to be aligned with the corners of the room. I want, on a day like this, your clothing to be aligned with the temperature. I don't want gym shorts and flip-flops as you're walking here. And if it's hot summer, you don't go wearing an overcoat. Alignment, right? Alignment's important. How do we align our lives with the realities around us? Well, here's an important question that I've wrestled with this week. How well does my life align with what I claim to believe? If God is my Father and He knows all that I need, do I live in trust? If I know that God loves me and I say that, do I live in fear, frantically running here and there? Or can I trust my sovereign Father to take care of all that? Well, we're going to look at alignment this morning when it comes to prayer. And here's, uh, here's what I'm thinking. In the, ser- in, in the Sermon on the Mount and in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us some tracks. Jesus kind of gives us the borders. And then he says, now I want your prayers to align with what I'm saying. And so at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about a test, but as we go through this passage, what I want you to do, I want you to regularly be asking yourself, then how do my prayers 
align with what Jesus is saying? How do my prayers align with what I claim to believe? Or are my beliefs over here and my prayer life's over here? Or does what Jesus say, that's kind of tucked over here, but my prayer life's very different than that. How does my life and my prayers align with what Jesus says? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, we have a long section on prayer. Uh, It's not too long. In fact, in this section of Matthew chapter 6, three of the primary ways that followers of God in the New Testament lived out their faith, or maybe a language we would use, three of the primary spiritual disciplines for first century Jews are spoken to in this passage. And those three primary spiritual disciplines are giving, fasting, and praying. And so Jesus is going to speak to each of them. We're only going to look at the prayer section. But notice, Jesus has a lot to say about spiritual disciplines. And my guess is in your life, you've built some spiritual disciplines. Maybe the beginning of 2024, you need to reevaluate some of your spiritual disciplines. Jesus has a lot to say about spiritual disciplines. We're primarily going to look at prayer. So beginning in verse 5, I'm going to read the context, and we'll end with the Lord's Prayer. So here we go, verse 5, Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have their, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, even before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For I tell you, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, Jesus gives us some lessons there. And he begins by telling us what not to do. Now, I'm a teacher. I like, te- I like sitting in class with the teacher. And I love when the teacher gives instruction. And so what's happening here, Jesus is giving instruction. I particularly like it when the teacher begins by telling you what it's not. And then they tell you what it is. And you notice in, in the lessons Jesus gives, he begins by telling us what prayer is not. He begins by saying, this is not how you should pray. Don't pray like this. And so how are you evaluating? Are your prayers aligning with what Jesus says? So uh, listen to all the knots as they appear in these verses. The knots are coming. <laughs> now follow along. And when you pray, do not Be like the hypocrites. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. Do not be like them, 
for your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. Right? Jesus begins by saying, not, not, not. That's good instruction. And so when you pray, don't pray like this, and don't pray like that. Don't pray with this attitude. Pray like this. But before he gets to the pray like this, he tells us what not to do. Okay, well, let's uh, kind of play with that for a couple of minutes. The first thing he says is, don't pray like the hypocrites. Now, obviously, hypocrite's kind of a bad word in church. Even if you're not in church, it's kind of a bad word. Um, but you have to understand the context a little bit. The word hypocrite is actually a Greek word, right? We just kind of take the letters and we translate it into English. The word hypocrite just means actor, somebody who's pretending. And uh, I guess a lot of the plays, they had movies back then, but a lot of the plays back then were kind of low-budget plays. And what they would do, they would only have a couple of actors, but the actors would play many different roles. So if you ever watch like old Columbo movies, right? Um, well, when you watch, you realize, wait, the same, the same guy plays like four or five different roles throughout the series. Well, that's what the old plays were like. But here's what the actors did. The actors were, hip were called hypocrites, right? Here's what a hypocrite would do. When they're playing the role of Bobby, he wore the Bobby mask, and he, had, and he held the Bobby mask up, and he acted like Bobby. Well, then if he's going to play, in the next scene, he's going to play Mary, he puts a bunch Bobby mask down, picks up the Mary mask, and now he's pretending to be Mary, right? And so actors played many different roles. The key was they wore masks. They were pretending to be someone else. And here's the kicker. Why were they pretending to be someone? Yeah, yeah, because the script said that. They were doing that to fool the audience. They were doing that so the audience would think that it's really Mary or it's really Bobby when they're actually play acting. They're pretending to be two different people. Jesus says, when you pray, don't pretend. When you pray, don't try to fool the audience, or maybe we could say, when you pray, don't perform for the audience. And notice the examples he gives. He uses the examples of religious leaders, right? And he says, uh, so some of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they love to pray in the synagogue. And they stand up with great fanfare and they pray to their heavenly Father with these long speeches. And what are they doing? They're impressing everybody in the synagogue. Oh my goodness, he knows what all those words mean. He must really be a godly guy. He's not praying to God as much as he's praying for all the people watching him in the synagogue. Notice what Jesus says. If you're praying for the audience, they may be really impressed with who you are. You have your reward in full. They're impressed. Now, don't expect a reward with God. You weren't praying to God. You were praying for the audience around you. You were pretending to be like super spiritual. You were pretending to be higher than all of them in your spiritual rank. Well, if you fooled them all, Right? If you were pretending and they all believed you to be super spiritual in God, you have your reward. So don't come along and say, well, God, you know, I pray. Well, you weren't praying to God. You were praying for the audience, right? And then he says, others love to play, pray on the street corners, right? Well, now you're kind of out in society. Not only do we pray in church, I pray for the culture. I pray for, I pray for the people in my neighborhood. I'm praying for all this stuff that's going on. And again, you're praying so people will be impressed. Boy, this person, not only are they courageously praying in a synagogue, 
they bravely stand out in culture, claim to be a follower of God, and they're calling down God's blessing and God's cursing on society. Wow, this, you already have your reward in full? Now, don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying. He's not critiquing the places where they pray. Jesus prayed in synagogue. There are lots of, bio, lots of verses in the Bible talk about praying in church, praying in synagogue. Nothing wrong with the place of prayer. He's also not talking about the posture of prayer, standing, sitting. You know, you can read through the Bible. People pray in all kinds of positions. People pray with their arms up, with their arms down. People pray on their knees. People pray lying down. It's not the posture. It's not the place. The problem is the attitude. That's what Jesus is critiquing. It's the attitude that says, I'm pretending. I'm pretending to be more spiritual than I am. I'm pretending to have a closer walk with God because I want you to be impressed with how I'm praying. Hmm. You ever pray like that? Who's the audience when you pray? No problem praying in church. No problem playing in your development. No problem playing in your house. No problem doing any of that. But who's the primary audience? What's the attitude? That's why Jesus says, here's a little test case. Do you pray more often in private or public? Do you pray more often when, you know, the, the right-sounding syllables don't matter as much? If you pray pretending before an audience, you may have your reward in full. If you pray when you're alone, obviously the audience has to be God there because nobody's watching the show. That's the first thing. So how are your prayers aligning? You're, you're probably sitting there saying, well, I'm safe on that one. I never want to pray out loud, right? And so I'm good on that one. Okay, but then we have another one coming. Don't pray. It says like the pagans. That's kind of a bad word because we use the word pagan pejoratively, right? We mean something negative. All Jesus says is don't pray like the nations. Don't pray like the non-believers. That's the point. How do the non-believers pray? What does he say? They babble. They use lots and lots of words. Now, here's what's going on. That's not saying don't pray for a long time. You pray for a long time, that's good. Here's what he's saying. Don't pray thinking you need to pray the right words. Don't pray thinking you need the right incantation. You ever watch like one of those scary movies with witches and warlocks? And whatever? They have to get the words just right. They have to get the formula just right. They, they look it up in the spell book, and they have to make sure it's correct. God's not like that, right? Are you thinking that when you pray, you need the right words? You have to jump through the right hoops? Now, there are lots of examples of that in the Bible. Uh, let, let me just mention one. You can check this out later. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah appears on Mount Carmel, and they're having a showdown. Elijah stands for God, right? He's a prophet of God. And he's standing against 450 prophets of Baal, right? A false god. So Elijah says, uh, okay, you go first. And what do they do? The 450 prophets of Baal, for hours, dance around the sacrifice. What do they say? Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. On, they beat themselves. They cut themselves. What are they doing? They're saying, we have to work. We have to jump through all these hoops, and if we jump through the hoops correctly, God will answer us because he can see how dedicated we are. God can answer us, and he will answer us because he sees we are sold out to him. Here's the question. Who's doing all the work? Are the prophets of Baal 
in 1 Kings 18? They are. When Elijah prays, he just says, okay, God, go for it. And God answers, and the sacrifice is consumed. When Elijah Elijah prays, who does the work? God does. So is your mentality when you pray, you have to do the work? You've got to jump through the hoops? Or is your thought, huh, God's the worker. I'm the one in need of the work being done. So don't be like the pretenders. Don't be like the babblers. Don't pray like the orphans who don't have a father. Don't pray like the religious people who think that it's in their flowery language and their ritual prayers that they're going, no, no, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the orphans. Well, how should we pray then? I'm glad you asked. That's what Jesus answered. So uh, here's what he says. Now, just in case you think that uh, Jesus just kind of throws this prayer out there, let me tell you a little bit about its placement here. The Sermon on the Mount is basically um, a manifesto on the Christian life, right? Here's how to live out. None of us do it perfectly. Here's how to live the Christian. Now, right in the middle of the message on spiritual maturity, right in the middle is prayer. Is that just coincidental? I think it goes like this. There were 118 lines before the prayer, and 116 lines after the prayer. Could Jesus be communicating the center of the spiritual life, the center of spiritual disciplines needs to be prayer? And listen to the prayer again. I'll give you a little heads up. Six requests. Three and three. Let me read through them again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First three requests. What are the first three requests about? What are about God? They're not about us. You notice like the prayer's half over. Jesus hasn't asked for anything yet. In fact, he says, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is the your section of the prayer, right? It's God, you, you, you. And you know what? If you get the you stuff right first, the second half of your prayer is going to flow a whole lot better. I don't know about you, but often when I get ready to pray, here's what I do. Me, 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 I, I. Wait a minute. We get the whole first part of the prayer. The whole first half of the prayer, Jesus hasn't asked for anything yet. He says, Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be. Oh, yeah, here's an interesting tidbit. The prayer, the Lord's Prayer, mirrors the Ten Commandments. The first four of the Ten Commandments are all about God. It's the second commands that are about us and how we treat one another. Interesting. So how's the whole first part of the Lord's Prayer go? Lord, I'm going to remind me that you're my Father, and I pray that your name be honored above all. I pray that your kingdom come. I pray that your will be done. And then in the second part, he mentions request. They're all the us and the our parts of the prayer, right? Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver. Notice all the us and the our stuff comes after the your stuff. I was thinking about that uh, the other day. 
periodically I will have to give them presentations where you have to share your screen. You ever do that? You have to share your screen, right? Now, I'm, I'm terrible at technology, uh, and this illustration is going to prove that. Well, every once in a while, I'm, I'm off camp, and maybe it's not, Zoom will do this too, but this isn't Zoom. This one place where I often have to give presentations, they use AirTame. Now, AirTame means you don't have to plug a HDMI cable. You don't do anything, right? All you have to do is download the, the AirTame app, click on the app, and then when you click on the app, up on the screen in the room, you get a code. And you type in that code on the screen, and then all of a sudden your screen's up there, right? It's great. AirTame, wonderful program. The last three times I was there to do a presentation, I had to get the IT guy to come. I open the app, I see AirTeam on my thing here, and I see the screen up here, I punch it. What did I fail to do? I failed to log on to the internet. And so I'm trying to get AirTeam from my computer. Well, the computer's gonna have to go through the internet to show it on the screen. First go into the internet, once you're hooked up to the internet, then AirTeam will, you know what? All the God stuff at the beginning, that's like hooking up to the internet. So you come to the internet, that's the ours. Lord, may your kingdom come, may your name be honored, may your will be, that's all the internet connection. Then you can share the screen. Share the screen stuff has to follow the internet connection stuff. But if you're often like me, I try to get my prayers going by not being connected to the internet, and I'm laying out all these requests I got, and God said, well, yeah, if we get connected first, and how do you get connected? By reminding us, uh, reminding ourselves that he's our father, and God comes before me. And if I can remember God comes before me, my prayer will be a whole lot more effective, and uh, my life will go a whole lot better, too. All right, well, how do we approach God? So we've looked at the prayer, right? We've looked at the two-way, or we looked at how not to do it. We looked at the example. Um, how are the approaches? Now, when I say the word approach, some of you are immediately freaking out because you remember back to Revelation, and we talked about four approaches to Revelation till you were nauseous, right? And so, and here's what I kept saying. First and foremost, you adopt an approach. Once you adopt an approach, you then go to the book, and the book kind of opens up around the approach. You know, it's the same with prayer. First, you adopt an approach. And what's our approach to prayer? Our Father. Isn't it interesting? Jesus does not teach us by praying, our King, our Creator, our Majestic Holy One. What's our approach to God? Our Father. Our Father. You know, there are really, at the end of the day, there are really only two approaches to God. The first approach uh, we call the performance approach. And if you think back to that hypocrite thing and think back to the orphan prayer, those approaches are all about performance, right? If I jump through the right hoops, if I do the right thing. The other approach is the family approach. So uh, I was thinking this week. Suppose uh, you're going to schedule a meeting with your boss. Because there are a few things you need to let him know. All right? So how do you go about scheduling, and how do you prepare for that meeting? Well, here's how it goes. First of all, you go to Outlook, and you find an empty time slot he's got, right? And you find it, and so you kind of drop your name in there, right? Now, before you go to the meeting, 
you've lots of preparation, right? You probably pull out, or at least mentally, you work through your job description, make sure you're checking all the items off. Maybe you look back at the past quarter and say, boy, my performance metrics are great. And you're tucking all the, so job performance, I got that down, job description. My performance metrics, I got all that. Then you go in, and you go in with confidence, right? You're fulfilling your job description. You're going in, you met the sales metrics. Your operation, everything's in line. Therefore, he needs to listen to you. She needs to listen to you because you're doing everything you should be doing. That's a performance relationship. Is that how you come to God? You know, first of all, you go on Outlook, see when he's free. After that, you kind of rehearse in your mind what your performance objectives are. Then you go through all of the metrics, make sure you're... And then on the basis of what you've done... You come and present your case. Is that how you come? I'll tell you what, you're, you're in for a mess if you do that. Question. How do your kids or grandkids come to ask you for something? Do they think through the job description? Uh, do they think through how well they beha- they've been behaving for the past month, you know, since Christmas till today? And on the basis of my perfect obedience since Christmas, on the basis of doing everything you've said, Mom and Dad, on the base, I'm coming to make this, heck no, they'd never get anything. How do they come? They just come asking, right? They, because they know it's a family relationship. It's not a performance relationship. But boy, we trip over that all the time, don't we? And... Here's how that sometimes works. Suppose you pray. Um, We heard this during our singing time, too. When you pray about something and God doesn't come through the way you expected or wanted him to, how do you respond to that? You get ticked off? I'll tell you what. If you get ticked off, that's proof you're praying from a performance relationship. Why? I deserve this. I kept all the items on the job description. I fulfilled the metrics. Therefore, I deserve. You know, as soon as you deserve, all of a sudden you've twisted the relationship again. Are you a boarder or are you a child? Here's the difference. If you're a boarder, you have the responsibility to pay the rent, respect the property and obey the rules. And if you pay the rent, respect the property, and obey the rules, you get certain things. You get to stay there, you get a nice conversation with the landlord every night, you get all that. Now, how are your kids at keeping the rules? How are your kids at paying the rent? How are your kids at respecting the property? So do you throw their butts out? No. They're your kids. They're your grandkids. They're not your borders. So what does Jesus say when he teaches us to pray? Here's what he says. Our approach to God is not based on performance. If it was, God wouldn't even hear you, let alone give you your request. The basis is not performance. The basis is family. The basis is, I'm your father. I know what you need better than you do even before you ask. I'm not asking you to pray to enlighten me on what you may need in your life. I'm saying, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a conversation with you. So parents and grandparents, 
What's it feel like when your granddaughter or grandson wants to climb in your lap and just have a conversation with you? It's a little different than when your daughter climbs in your lap and tells you the laundry list of things she wants that day, right? God says, I'm your father. Jesus says, remember, don't pray like an orphan. Don't pray like a boarder. Pray like a child. Our father knows what we need before we even ask. He wants to give us what's best for us even than we want to receive it. Come to God as your Father. Are your prayers aligned with that? Are my prayers aligned with that? I confess, most often they're not. So I'm often frustrated, and sometimes I'm a little ticked off. But when you step back and say, the King of the universe says to call me Father, come on in and let's have a conversation. I know what you need. We'll get to that. Let's just enjoy each other. My guess is our prayers will change if our approach changes. Take the things Jesus says and use them as an evaluation. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We don't do this often. I don't have this typed out on the screen, but I'm guessing most of you know it. Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer as a model and as categories in which to pray. And so over the next few weeks, we'll do this a few times. So let's bow our heads and let's pray the Lord's Prayer together as we think about what Jesus told us to pray. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.